Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have the Dr. Adamo with me. He just goes by his first name. He's that cool. He's kind of like Prince. You know, he's like a symbol. (laughs) Dr. Adamo, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, My pleasure. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. So I met you through the Dinks, who we just love, yeah, big, love big love. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody but Chad. Chad kind of we push him to the side a little, but the other two I like a lot. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I love them all. <laughs> yeah, Chad takes he, the most heat for sure. He sure does, but he brings the heat too. He does. He does. He does. <laughs> that's 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 how you just know that they're your people, Adama. What I always start with is why dentistry. Tell us your story. Oh boy. Wow. Okay. So, uh, usually and Amanda and I, when we lecture, we tell our stories at the end. So if some of you have heard me lecture, you may know this already, but you don't Kelly. So I'm going to share it with you. I actually graduated college in, uh, 1996. I went to Cornell and, um, I played soccer. And when I was done, I wanted to be a pro soccer player. So I dabbled a little bit in professional soccer for about six months. I played not in major league soccer, but a farm league below it. And I saw my first pay- paycheck and I realized that this was not going to cut it in life. I, w- I was never going to be Cristiano Ronaldo and make a hundred million a year. So I quit. Um, and I went back home and moved in, moved back in with my parents. And, uh, my dad drove a garbage truck and my mother was his secretary. So I showed up to his office one day to work cause I wanted to be like a salesman. So, uh, my dad looked at me and he said, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I want to work for you. He goes, no more school. I said, no, I, I finished college. I'm done. Now, mind you, my, my dad went through fifth grade and then came to this country when he was 17 and my mom was 12 and wow. she came here. So he looked me dead in the eyes. He said, you can work for me, but go home and put the crappiest clothes you have on. I'm going to make you wish you never closed the book. So he put me on the back of the garbage truck. So I picked up trash for about 15 months by myself and I was in ridiculous shape and it's the most grueling job. So if you don't tip your garbage men well, start to, because it's the most miserable job on the planet. And I'm telling you from experience. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. Um, I had a buddy who was my fraternity brother. He was in dental school. He always knew he wanted to be an oral surgeon. And he's like, come to dental school. And I'm like, I don't even know what the dentist is. I never went to the dentist. We weren't like, go for cleanings. You know, my family was from Italy. They didn't, that didn't exist. So 
when I got to, I applied to dental school, I got into NYU and I was waitlisted at Stony Brook and I literally would show up at Stony Brook every day after I worked on the garbage truck smelling like, you know what? And, uh, the admissions lady was like, are you going to come here every day? I go until I'm off the waitlist. Yes. And on the last day I got in to Stony Brook, which was great because it was seven minutes from my house. Um, so I got in, I got to my first day and, you know, everybody was like, hi, my name is so-and-so. My dad's an oral surgeon. I was like, what the hell's an oral surgeon? My father's a periodontist. I'm like, what's a periodontist? I knew nothing. I didn't even know what a mirror and explorer was. And I started, I just put my head down and I really, I learned to love it. I did not like the first two years because they were way too science and medical for me. That was just not my thing. But when we got into the clinic part with the hands and and the artistic stuff I always loved, like staining and glazing crowns was my favorite. So I really learned to love it. And, and I went from there. But I, I wasn't one of those, oh, I knew since I'm 11, I want to be a dentist. I really didn't know what the dentist was until I fell on my face as a kid. Otherwise, I would probably have never gone to the dentist, to be honest. All right. So jumping back to your story, there, there has to be a why in there. Like why dentistry though? You know, why from the back of a garbage truck, other than your friends said it was a good idea. Like what about it attracted you? Would you say? I don't think anything attracted me to be honest. I think my parents always wanted me as a kid to be a doctor. That's it. Like that was it. Be a doctor. I didn't know what kind of doctor. Um, I mean, obviously as a kid, what did I go to? The pediatricians. I wanted to be a pediatrician as a kid. Right. Uh, that didn't really work out in college because I didn't really work all that hard academically in college. I kind of just wanted to play ball and that was it. So I really did go because my friend was like, go. And I got in. So I was like, I got no other option. It's not like I got into, you know, medical school, vet school. I, this is, I got into two schools and basically one and a half because I was waitlisted, but if that didn't happen, I, I really don't know where I would be right now. I'm not even sure if I would have tried again. Um, but yeah, I, I had no, nothing really drew me there except the fact that my friend said do it. Okay. But you knew that you were to show up at that school to hound them as well, too. Oh, yeah. Because I knew I'd have zero life if I, I, I wouldn't know what the hell I would do with myself. I might have stayed on the garbage truck forever. Who knows? And trust me, after a day of that, I didn't want to stay on that thing ever again. It was miserable. (laughs) Um, So I knew manual labor was probably not in my future, or at least I wouldn't have enjoyed it for the rest of my life. So yeah, it was just kind of a fluke, to be honest. Do you feel like it made a difference with you showing up at the school in some way? 150%. Because when she called, so she called my mom at my parents' office, my, they had like a little shed thing. Um, And she, when, my mother answered the phone. The lady said, is Mr. Persistence there? I want to let him know he got in. Uh-huh. I literally went every single day. I kid you not. Three o'clock, as soon as I got off the truck, I drove straight to Stony Brook, covered in garbage, and she could smell me from 30 feet away when I was walking up the hallway. Wow. And how long did you do, how long did you do that show up? So I my interview was February. I got lit, waitlisted in March, and I got in May 30, whatever. So two months every single day. Persistence. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't taking no. I was. I was not going down without a fight. Um, and it either, either that or restraining order was in your future. One hundred percent. I was either <laughs> in jail or I was going to dental school. So she's I like, please. About my career. She's like, oh my god, get this psycho out of here. Let him into school. <laughs> All right, and then so on the flip side, here you are now. 
everyone knows your name. You're like, everyone, cheers, right? And (laughs) what do you love about what you do now? Because you didn't know how much you were going to love it. And so what happened to transform you like, oh, snap, this was what I was meant to do. Like what happened in your mind? You know, it's funny. A lot of our courses that we teach now, I have friends from dental school that were a little bit younger than me. You know, I stayed on as faculty for a year after I graduated. And I just always loved the education. And they'll tell you, they would even, you know, they'd even say to Amanda, he was this way when he was in school. Like he would stay after and teach us how to stain crowns or he would help us. Like I just love to educate or teach or help Hmm. to be completely honest. So I always knew that I liked that. And even in my residency, I stayed on an extra year as chief resident. And one of my perks was I wanted to teach removable because I love dentures. And I did. I taught, you know, the second year students when I was a resident. And, you know, I got into the lecture thing kind of early with Sarek. My ex-partner was a Sarek trainer. So he got me on board. So I started, you know, speaking kind of quickly. Uh, but it wasn't until probably when I got accredited with the ACD that my speaking on cosmetics came into play. And that's when I really like, I fell in love with, with education and lecturing and so on and so forth. So I always enjoyed it. Even as a student, I Mm -hmm. would do what I could to help people. But right after I started speaking on what my real passion is, which is cosmetics, that's when, you know, everything started to change for me. Okay. And so you really, you are probably an artist. I mean, all dentists, many dentists are, right? But you love, you love that. You love teaching the the art of dentistry also, what I'm hearing. A hundred percent, you know, and I mean, I would, was I an artist? I drew a little bit as a kid. I dabbled a little. I I didn't do anything crazy. I I just, I love the creative side. And I think the more I got into dentistry and especially dental photography, the creativity just started to come out and I, I, I like sometimes I see some of the stuff I'm doing now. I'm like, wow, I didn't even think I could do that. Um, it just kind of snowballed, and and the creative side did come out out of me with with dentistry, but also now a little outside of dentistry, which is kind of kind of awesome to see. That's great, and of course, I know you. Uh, my dentist, Devin McClintock. Hey, Devin, she's at Precision uh, Dentistry in Williamsburg, where I live, and she trained under you. And that's how I knew of you, like way back in the way back machine, because you are known also. Well, oh, you're known. Just so you know, what you're known for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, what you're known for, like. It is that per, is precision is the photography is if you trained with Adama, you are the best. Just so you know that. Uh, that's very humbling. And I appreciate that. And listen, I, I do my best to, to educate everywhere. And, and I was blessed to have somebody like Devin because, uh, you know, Devin is a step above and beyond any other person I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I have, two residents. My second one is with me now and everyone makes fun of me because they say I got the best two residents on the planet and I totally did. Um, But, you know, Devin, I knew she used to come shadow me every week when she was a resident every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I knew then I'm like, this kid's going to be a star because she just she's hungry. She wants to learn. And she does things with with class and she does it with uh, humility and she does it with just such a honest and respectful way she doesn't cut corners she doesn't cheat you she she does what she 
the way uh, the best way I think I could say it is she would treat you as a patient the way she would work on herself or her mother or her father. That's that. And it's for everybody. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about that because I think in our fast paced world, people lose sight of that. And they focus on things like making money, which, yes, we all have to do, but you also still have to do the right thing. And Devin is definitely one that does that. Yeah, well, that's I mean, it it shows in her work and it says a lot about you and the legacy that you're leaving in the profession and also the heart that you have Thank left you. will continue to leave in the profession. So let's jump forward to where you are now. What are you up to? <laughs> what are you I am. To? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That's the thing. What am I not up to? It's so funny. This is like the first Friday. I've been home in like seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my schedule is a little crazy. So I sold my practice on September 1st. So I am no longer an owner, but I am an associate. Um, My former associate is now my boss, which is kind of awesome because she's amazing. Uh, Her name is Julie DeSimone. And then she's partners with my former partner, Larissa. Um, And, you know, it was a bittersweet thing for me because I've been in this office for 20 years. Um, But with how my lecture life and my personal life and my office life, they were all going a thousand miles an hour and something had to give or I was going to burn out and just be finished. And I, and I couldn't do it. And, you know, my responsibilities with impress have changed. We've Amanda and I have have gotten a a lot bigger than we thought we were going to ever get. So there's a lot going on down in Charleston with our courses, my responsibilities at the Koi center. Now, John was kind enough to make me faculty at the center. So now I am at the center six weeks a year wow. for one of the courses with John. So, you know, to do that, honestly, I don't think it was fair to my partner to say, Hey, I'm gone probably 14 to 15 weeks out of the year on the road. You handle the office. Right. So I think the right thing to do, uh, even though it was, it wasn't easy, um, was to give that responsibility to someone else who that's their main focus. And Julie's amazing. She's doing a great job already. She's going to continue to do a great job. And I work as an associate now and I, you know, I can, I come and go as I please because my, my life has changed so much uh, on that front. And um, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. So I went from January 2nd till now I was two weeks in Seattle five days in Aruba, 13 days in India. I mean, I really haven't touched down yet. I don't even know what time zone I'm in anymore. Uh, but the, And we're not even in March yet, which is frightening. But Yeah, we're yeah, still so in Q1. We're like in the middle of Q1. Oh, and I'm like, is the year over yet? I need a vacation. Um, but yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. Uh, this is what I always wanted to do. I love the education part of it. I didn't realize how overwhelming it was going to get. Uh, it is sometimes. You know, if I turned my computer to my right, you would see clothes and piles all over the floor that I have to wash and repack for another trip to Chicago next week and then back to Seattle for two weeks in a row. So it's a lot. It looks really glamorous on social media, but I promise. Yeah, it looks amazing. He's like, oh, my God, India, Aruba. I'm like, oh, my God, I need my bed. Mike, I'm tired. I've been living out of a suitcase. Um, But, you know, listen, I'm very humbled. I, I didn't think I'd reach this point in my career and, you know, between educating with, with John at the center and really the, the biggest thing for me is what Amanda and I have created down in Charleston has been mind blowing to me. Um, and it's just, it's awesome. It's really awesome. 
So where, what's the future hold for you? Where do you go from here? Um, that you could, that you could conceptualize that you would know about, right? Cause you, we don't ever even know how we got from here to there. Cause we didn't even think that it could, was a thing. Right? No, no. <laughs> I, I think for the next few years, this is pretty much um, the pace I'm going to be at. I'm going to focus, you know, I think our next big step, for Amanda and I is an actual center and building down in Charleston, which we're looking at right now. Right now we rent out a hotel. So we do about eight courses a year and it's a lot to go from. We have two storage units completely full that we load up four cars every time, go to the hotel, set up, break it down, bring it back. That's time consuming and taxing. And I think we're at the point now where, you know, we're consistently filling up, which we've always had. We've been really blessed with that, but to have our own center to, even maybe take that to the next level where we have other speakers that we look up to come in and educate at our facility for people who follow us. I think that's one of the visions that we might talk about or we do talk about uh, for the future. So, yeah, I think my, my next main focus is really getting impressed solid on the ground and have it our own instead of, you know, like I live now out of a suitcase. Basically, we teach out of a, two suitcases or two storage units. And uh, I think it's time to make that next step. Yeah. That, and that can be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, listen, everything is scary. When I sold the practice, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, did I make the right decision? What the hell am I doing? I had it so easy. I, I'm so busy. I didn't really have to do anything. Why am I always looking for something more? Right. And I don't know if it was something more in the sense, but just following my passion, which I always did. And, and I'll tell you, you know, when I went to India with Amanda, it was one of the best trips I ever had um, professionally. And also personally, Amanda and I are super, super, super close. And after the trip, she looked at me, she goes, all right, now I know we're definitely best friends because I didn't want to kill you after 12 days. We can do this. Um, <laughs> it was funny as hell. Um, and then, you know, and I went out to Seattle for my really my first voice uh, biomechanics course with John. And I was like, wow, did I make the right decision. And I enjoyed it so much. And I don't have a doubt in my mind that I did make the right decision. I think I made the right decision for myself. I think I made the right decision for my office as well. I think uh, they needed a little more stability in, in the partnership there than maybe I, I would be able to give this year because I'm all over the place. So um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been crazy. That's exciting. It does snowball. So yeah, fast. Can- yeah. So if you're, I mean, take what you just said and apply it to basically any area of an associate's life or a dentist's life, a student's life, no matter what kind of occupation, really, you had a tipping point that you reached and you said, I got to go. I got to go to the next step. Like, what, what's some advice that you can give to say, here's how you know when it's time? Um, that's a that's a great question because I think um, what I see now, unfortunately, is I would give this advice to an associate, somebody young starting out, somebody looking for change. Take your time, slow down. I mean, they want everything so fast. They want it yesterday. We're used to instant gratification now. Like, I don't have to get in my car to go to the grocery store and buy myself food to cook lunch. I could just hit a button. And it shows up at my door. And unfortunately, I think the younger generation, and I don't mean to stereotype them like that, but they are used to that. I didn't grow up with a phone like that. You didn't grow up with a phone like that. We We didn't grow up with phones. Right? I mean, come on. So, (laughs) 
you know, and and I think they're trying to do too much for the wrong reason. That you know, when you pick a a school of education, for example, the Course Center, the Spear Center, Dawson, LV, whatever you believe in, it's fine. The goal is that it's a lot of money. First of all, it's not cheap, right? The goal is to take that, learn it to your best, implement it, and make patient care better. Not just to take and say, "Oh, I graduated course. Oh, and now I'm going to do Spear." Oh, and then I'm going to do Dawson. And mm. then you really don't know any of the three philosophies at all. So what was the point, right? And to get to a level in your career, and I firmly believe this, people are like, oh, he's talented. He's No, I'm not. And it's actually, I'm so excited. Amanda and I are closing our lecture. At, at We're the closing speakers at AACD. We were supposed to close in 2020 and COVID ruined us, right? So, or 21. And we talk about what are we going to talk about? Because a lot of these people have come to our courses, so they know composite. So we're going to talk about our journey. And I found in my office the other day, CDs of cases I did from 2004, 2005. And I'm like, oh my God, where I've come from, for the photography, the dentistry, I knew nothing. Yeah. But you don't realize it then because you're like, oh, wow, look, this looks great. Of course it looked great for what they had. Right. But now I look at that work and I'm like, oh my God, that's atrocious. So to see that, I think, is really the most important thing you're going to do in your career. It doesn't, this doesn't happen. This didn't happen for me just because I woke up with magic hands. I mean, I worked hard. I put more hours in than anybody. Um, I mean, I don't stop. And you can, Devin, I remember her first day with me. We worked eight to eight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays back then. Now I only do it Monday, Tuesday. At the end of the first night, she looked at me to say goodbye. I swear, one eye was going this way. The other one was going that way. We saw like 30 patients nonstop. And she's like, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm like, yeah, you will. You'll be fine. Now, she's a beast. Like, she she learned so much in work ethic. Forget about the dentistry part. But she realized how hard that I actually work. And there were nights where we'd work days, 12 hours. And then I'd have a makeup artist come in for a photo shoot till 11 o'clock at night. And she's like, you're out of your mind. I'm like, well, when you, if you want to reach the top, you got to work harder than anybody. And that's the mantra I've always lived by. And, you know, I, I say it in every lecture. I'm not any more skilled than any dentist I've ever met. The difference between me and them, if their work is not, or they think is not as good as mine is I practiced a thousand more times than they ever even dreamed of practicing because I wanted to be the best at it. And that's just the way I, that's how I roll in life. And that's how I roll in dentistry. So again, persistence, yes, slow, persistence. Down, so slow down, persistence. And then how did, how do they know when it's time to, to do that tipping point? You know, it's the, I think you just have a way of knowing to know that you have competing priorities. It sounds yes. like you, that you're like, I want to be, I, it was kind of like, anything in life it has seasons right and where you're absolutely. you're absolutely in love with this and it's like but then you're like oh my love grew over here i didn't even anticipate that and so it's yeah. these priorities of okay what do i love more what is what is going to give get me to where i feel like you can lean in to the gifting that you were given and what you really really want no it's true you know i i think that really this was the first time that I really felt like, okay, something's got to give. Um, mm -hmm. But I was, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I've been booked out for a year and a half of lectures and I'm like, what am I doing? This is a lot. Um, so, you know, like your body's just going to tell you, I can't 
handle anymore. Like mm-hmm. I forgot that I had to do this. And that's when it starts getting crazy. And you're like, I need to take a step back, put something on the back burner because I'm never going to remember anything. And then everything will suffer. And, yeah. and I think that's what I mean also by like trying to do too much. Like I, I'm out of the center and, and I hear people say, oh, I'm taking all of John's courses in a year. And I'm like, how does that possibly marinate? Because it's so much information. Like, I get it. You want to finish. But like, are you finishing because mm-hmm. you want a label or are you finishing because you want to practice course principles or spear principles or Dawson principles? It doesn't, that doesn't happen in a day. You know, you're not going to go from, oh, I'm going to go to the ACD's first meeting and I'll be accredited in 12 months. Good luck with that. I mean, it, that's not how it works, right? There's a lot of time and effort and practice and failure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, social media is amazing, right? I post beautiful work on social media. I'm super proud of, but I can show you 20,000 other cases I didn't post on social media because they weren't perfect. I learned more from those than I did from the ones that you see, but Social media, we do it because we want people to stroke us and tell us how good we are. Yeah, I think it'd be a great social media presence too, Adama, to show people, take those CDs out and show people how far you've come and give them examples and contrast that. Yeah, I, I, so that may be my next project. But right now, I'm, I have all the time <laughs> in the world, right? I, uh, I had, so when I got my fellowship for ACD, you have to go through, you have to submit 50 cases and pass 45 out of 50. Mm. Um, so about it hasn't happened quite once a week because I'm busy, but at least once every other week, I have been going through all my old fellowship cases one by one and tearing them apart on social media live. So mm. I've gotten a good response from that because people they learn and they start to see things that they maybe didn't see. And as you go through that, you see a little better. So maybe I'll do that with the older cases, but don't give me Kelly, you give me another project. I don't need any more work. I know. I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm just giving you another course idea. Other things to educate, another vertical. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And then you become president soon of the AACD. Yeah, very soon. Uh, April, the meeting is April 2nd to the 6th, I think. And yeah, then I have my presidency here, which is really super excited. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you're bringing to the industry and how you're going to elevate it as uh, with Thank your you. peers and, and colleagues. It's um, it's an exciting time for you. And w- one of the things that I realized when I was president of the Virginia Dental Hygiene Association that you, th- some people think of presidency as power, but you actually have no vote on anything. No, nothing, nothing. <laughs> it's so true. Nothing. Nope. Yeah. And, and so it's a, it's a position of representation and leadership and visioning for those who make the vote. But I, I, I've always thought that was so funny where people think, oh, they have total power. It's actually opposite nah. you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing. I'm like, what do you mean? I can't vote on this. They're like, no, you can't. I'm like, okay, great. That's great. You guys You're vote like, then. Why am I here? No, get it. That yeah. was a New Yorker. Why am I here? <laughs> Are there any, is there anything that you want to say to the audience, lessons learned, uh, something that you wish you would have known? You know, I, I think for, for me, for, for what I see now, I just, the, the one main thing would be, you know, what we touched on already. I, I think everybody just needs to slow down and take a deep breath and, and, and not chase fame. You know, chase excellence, chase quality, chase doing the right. You know, we, we, we do so much to, to look so good on social media or whatever. The reality is we need to be working that hard so our patients 
get treated properly and treated with excellence. And then the rest will come. And, you know, I think one of the coolest lines I ever heard somebody said to me not too long ago was a lot of people want to be speakers, but not many know how to educate. And I think that's true. I think there's a lot to that because standing up on stage and speaking is one thing. That's great. But are you educating and making people better? Are you really doing it for that reason? Because the reality is, as you know, people might think that I make a ton of money speaking. That's not all that true, number one. Number two, it'll never replace the time that I lose with my family and my friends. And, and, and I don't see anybody because I'm always on the road. So like I said before, it looks really glamorous. But you have to do this because your heart wants to do it because you don't real people don't realize how much you suffer on the on the back end right because seeing your house that you work so hard to build 3 days out of 42 is not all that fun like i want to be home sometimes and throw a rack of ribs on my smoker and crack a beer while i watch football and i don't get that luxury anymore as like i used to so i i think people should just need to take a deep breath and really figure out why why am I doing what am I doing? Am I doing it because I'm trying to impress people? Am I doing it because I want people on social media to tell me I'm wonderful? Or am I doing it because I love it? Because if you do it because you love it, then it's not a job. And as tired as I am and as hard as I work, I have zero regrets for what I do because I absolutely love it. Uh, and I wouldn't change a thing at all. Yeah. It's... um it's such a strong statement and what you said with the educator piece, because I'll, when I'm in front of audiences, I'll say, people think I'm a speaker, but I'm a professional educator. percent. I, you know, it's almost, people don't understand. What do you mean you're an educator? I'm like, to me, there is a difference. It's, there is. Speakers have heart and there's nothing. Of course they do. We do. And, but it's the education piece that I'm absolutely a hundred percent in love with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Damo, you have been awesome. I can't wait to see you thank soon. You. And Likewise. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for all that you are doing for so many. You're just, you know, touching so many people's lives in so many different ways that it's um it's hard to conceptualize because you just you, it's just part of what you do, right? But I know that it it feels good in this humbling way when people come up to you and say, "You taught me this," and I remember when you said this, and it really it really made a difference in what I do from day to day. So thank, um, you. thank you for all that you do for the profession. And um, you guys, if you want to get in touch with Adamo and learn too about his courses with Amanda, go down the show notes. You can get his contact information there, and for all of the listeners of the dental handoff thank you so much for being a part of this fan community and you know i always ask to do me a favor go on to apple give me five stars five star rating even adama recommends five stars right always always (laughs) five stars and then go on over to youtube like subscribe share with people who you love which is everyone so thank you for all that each of you do to better the public and the community we'll see you next time thanks adama thank you (laughs) 